excuse me for my voice, but I have never, never seen anything like it. Hey, Doug, we wanted to hit mailboxes, we could let Ralph drive. Morons, your bus is leaving. Welcome to this Washington State edition of the On the Road Home podcast. This is Ken Crawford reporting to you on the road home from one of the most unexpected uh, but deliriously uh, upbeat uh, victories in, in not even just recent Cal history in, in quite a long time. Start with a quick recap. Bears uh, intercept a ball early in the game have a chance to punch it in for a touchdown, but fall short, kick a field goal. Teams trade uh, possessions. Bears get another pick. This time manage to kick it in, uh, to punch it in with an unweary, uh, with, with an unweary touchdown. Bears up 10-0. WSU counters with a field goal to make it 10-3. And the feeling in the stadium was, you know, that was a nice start, but... There was not much of a lead. It was still early second quarter at this point, and no reason to think that the Bears were going to win, you know, other than good luck early with a couple of interceptions. But the second quarter was mostly a stalemate, both teams uh, having some effect, uh, offensive production, but otherwise not doing all that great. And then the Bears managed to drive the field. Well, actually, the Bears get the ball back with just under a minute left after a shanked punt by WSU, gives him the ball on the best side of midfield. I think it was around the 45. Managed to work away down to the field. Wilcox goes aggressive with three seconds left and first and goal. Instead of opting for the safe field goal, goes for the touchdown. WSU bites hard from the one-yard line on the play action. Tight ends wide open for an easy touchdown. Bears lead at halftime 17-3 with getting the ball uh, to start the second half. And I thought that was going to be a key possession. If the Bears could score on that first possession, uh, it would be key. Turns out they didn't score, but teams traded possessions again. Cal scores a field goals up uh, 20-3 at this point. And at this point, it's starting to really feel like the Bears might have a real shot at winning this game. The stalemate uh, had continued. The defense was playing awesome. It was still early enough to say we didn't have it in the bag, but it was starting to look really good. At that point, the Bears get another touchdown off of a short field, off of an interception, if I remember correctly. Another field goal, also off of a short field, off of a, a turnover. And finally, a fumble recovery and run back for a touchdown. Final score, 37-3. WSU is never able to get any off meaningful offense going, uh, both between Cal's ball-hawking defense and uh, mistakes on WSU's half. They uh, just never get anything going. It's been a long time since the Bears, and in fact, it may have never occurred uh, in, in modern Cal history of uh, the Bears beating a top 10 team by 30 plus points. 
that is an unbelievable um, result. And I, it may be at the end of the season or years from now, people say, well, that was a well, way overrated WSU team. But nevertheless, this wasn't first week of the season. We're, we're at week seven in a, number, uh, in a top ten team. And so you just have to be happy. Uh, and, and so when I get into my analysis here and I always, you know, try to pick into the gnats and issues to be concerned about, I want to want to blunt all of that right up front with the joy here of seeing this team do something that nobody would have thought this team was capable for, of in Justin Wilcox's first year. He's done amazing things. And even after the tough, tough stretch of three losses, uh, one of which were was really painful the Oregon game the Washington game uh, you know because that team was so good not quite as painful but still a, a pretty thorough defeat uh, and then of course the very tough to swallow loss to USC where the game looked like it, it had real potential going into the fourth quarter and the team just completely collapsed and and lost it big uh, at the end on that one in any case after those three losses, a, a team with less resolve, a team with less character and heart uh, could have started to, to give up hope with another top 10 team on the, on the docket. Not this Cal team. This Cal team said those uh, mistakes can be corrected. We can beat this team. And they came out and did it very effectively. Should be nothing but pleased with the turnaround. But let's start breaking things down position by position. Bowers, much, much better game. He solved a lot of his problems that he had, was much smarter with the ball. It was clear he'd been worked with this week on being smart with the ball and when to run, when to um, when to throw it away, when to squeeze it in there. But we should make a big concession here to the game planning. The offensive uh, coaches did a much, much better job of coming up with a game plan where he and the rest of the offense could be successful. They, relatively speaking, did not let him keep the ball for long periods of times. And if they did it, they did it sporadically. They also moved him around, pulled him out of the pocket, pulled him away from pressure, did everything to make it so that the defense could not just zero in on busting through this young offensive line and causing trouble. They really gave Bowers uh, a much, much better game plan for his strengths. and But he executed to it very well. His ability to hit receivers uh, in a pretty tight window while he's on the run rolling out is really impressive. The, the coaches should continue to make uh, use of that because he did a remarkable job uh, dealing, uh, hitting his targets while rolling out. And that's hard to do. Um, the ball tends to want to fade away from you. Uh, so just generally good decisions all the way around. Even the decision to run for the touchdown was a good decision. I, I would say please don't ever do the somersault into the end zone thing, though. That, that I'm not so sure I'm uh, going to call a good decision. Yes, the result was incredible. Everyone cheered. It was awesome. Uh, but we've had one too many disasters of that sort. Javed Best uh, should come back and give him a little lesson on the dangers of that sort of thing. We don't need uh, Bowers going down from an injury trying to make something happen. When, by the way, those points were not needed. Yes, it was nice to have it, but uh, uh, unnecessary. 
that was the 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 touchdown that got us to 27 points by the way uh, wide receivers, they got better as the game wore on. VC uh, did a great job uh, tiptoeing the sideline again and again and again, but they did not start strong. The the my concern early in the game was the Bears had gotten these turnovers and they really didn't convert it into as many points as they should have, and a lot of that was execution issues by the offense the game plan was good but there'd be a dropped ball or or a poor running uh play uh just they were kind of in spits and spurts where you could see there was the potential for success but they just couldn't consistently do it enough and the wide receivers played a major part in that uh, bowers by the way had some some you know two or three bad throws early on that contributed to that uh, inconsistency in the first quarter and, and into the second quarter. Uh, but as the game wore on, the receivers got better and better and better. They got their confidence back. Their hands work uh, or did much better. And they were not given a lot of favors by the co- the refs either. There was uh, at least two very significant non-calls on pass interference. One on what should have been the first touchdown clearly held uh, to prevent him from breaking inside on what would have been an easy and obvious touchdown uh, and non-called. And then there was another uh, fade down the sideline where the guy was tackled before the ball got there. And it it was just so blatantly obvious. I can't believe either of them were not called. Uh, The first one at least has the possibility that no refs were looking at that particular spot, but there was no excuse on the on the second one, uh, the, the deep fade, because everybody was looking there. And clearly the, the corner um, hit him and brought him down, uh, you know, about a half of a second, a full step uh, before uh, the ball got there. And then he dropped what he could have caught, but you can see why he dropped it when uh, he's being tackled. Uh, but still, they had some drops that they should, the balls they should have caught, and that hurt them early. But this really saw some improvement there. Boy, do we need Noah back there. The team just has not looked that good with him on the, the sideline last week. And uh, he just he's just the piece that completes the puzzle. Even though he's not the only guy who can catch the ball, he just gives them that extra dimension that the team needs. Running backs. Early on, not the best performance, um, uh, particularly when the game plan had them running around uh, the outside, and that just just wasn't working. I think we don't necessarily have the speed right now with both Watson and um, I don't know why I'm forgetting uh, 28's name, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, uh, both of them are out. And so we really have more of a power situation than a speed situation. And But the coaching staff made an adjustment in the second half, and the running started going between the tackles, and that was working. And Weary was doing a great job of following his blocking. Uh, the other running backs, there's two young guys they were alternating between. Uh, both seemed to be doing a reasonably good job of that as well. And then, and Weary was showing some unusual speed for him. I was actually a little surprised by how slow this WSU defense seemed, because uh, Weary, Weary is not the fastest guy, but he was able to, to extend some runs pretty well, um, looking pretty fast. So that was impressive to see out of uh, and Weary. 
Um, so the running backs, I think, are, are looking like they can do pretty well between the tackles if the offensive line is getting a reasonable push. Um, but I don't see them having a lot of talent for outside running around the edge. Uh, and that's something the offense is going to want to develop a mechanism to do that. Maybe they have to do some sweeps from the wide receivers or something. There's blocking issues in there as well, but they need an outside run to make to 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 uh, force the defense to defend both the inside and the outside. Uh, and it just doesn't feel like the outside running game has a lot of potential right now. Offensive line significantly better performance although as i said the game plan kind of took it out of their hands where for the most part they were not asked to do the sort of things they had been asked to do the last few weeks um the inside running though was an example of significant improvement on their part they were definitely doing a good job of of starting to get some significant pushes it's a big caveat though that wsu is a small defense that's supposed to be a fast but small defense and that's why i was surprised that they didn't look particularly fast to me Uh, so uh, part of the reason i was predicting a loss was the defense that gave cal the most trouble was the really fast oregon defense and i thought well if wsu is supposed to be fast but small it could be more of the same not the case at all. Uh, the, 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 the offensive game plan had the ball getting out fast, and then when they were running between the tackles and they could push hard against those smaller bodies, things went really well uh, inside run game. Pass protection was reasonably good. As I said, the game plan was designed not to make their job too hard, but the times he did drop back and all those sorts of things, there was a fair amount of good... Uh, um, pocket protection, not perfect. There were he Bowers had to scramble a little bit, and there was a sack or two. But overall, significant improvement. Again, the big caveat of the size of the uh, WSU defensive line and linebackers makes it so a bigger defense might uh, prove more troublesome to this young line. But it just seems like they are starting to really turn the corner, starting to improve. Hopefully this can be a building point for them into the future. Interesting point to me was tight ends and McMorris at fullback often used as decoys in this game. They would line McMorris up on the right and then run to the left successfully because the defense was so ready to to see the team running behind McMorris that they were really uh, thrown off by it. So it was a very interesting strategy that I saw the team use and, and was impressed by. On to the defense. I mean, just an incredible defensive performance. There's just no other way to say it. Didn't hear it in any of the post-game wrap-ups or anything, but I can't imagine when the last time WSU has only scored three points. It, 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 it's, it could be three, four, five years uh, going back to when Leach had just taken over this program. Unbelievable performance uh, by, um, by the defense to hold them to three points. Most of the takeaways were not mistakes of the highest order by WSU. That was It was very good ball hawking by uh, the Cal defense. The corners and the secondary are doing a great job of getting their head around and finding the ball and breaking on it, uh, tipping the ball up. Just 
and there were a couple of good bounces. I mean, there's no doubts about that. The interception that was supposed to be a shovel pass up the middle, that was a, a miss, and it just we just happened to have a right guy in the right spots. That one was a little bit lucky. The uh, ball that was tipped up in the fourth quarter that bounced around three or four guys that I really want to see the tape on again, uh, you know, definitely some luck there. But th- that's just a portion of the overall puzzle. The, the Bears also, um, Bynum had a couple of very good interceptions. The one in the end zone was very, very good. Uh, and, and breaking on the ball, actually his first interception, I really want to see that one on film because it looked like he had the outside guy and, and decided to come off of that guy to the, the inside receiver once he identified that the quarterback was throwing it to the inside receiver and, and got the interception because of that. Maybe it was a zone play. Maybe I was re- misreading how it was playing out. It's hard to tell when you see things live. Uh, but that was really, really good job of, A, breaking on a ball, but, B, also identifying what's happening and getting to the right spot. Great, great job there. And the fumbles, it was because the team was hitting really hard. Very good uh, efforts of, of swarming to the ball, getting there, which actually brings me to the one kind of negative that I saw. There were a lot of missed tackles relative to uh, normal. The good news is the team would keep one hand on, or the player who was missing would tend to get a hand on him, kind of slow him down. And because this defense swarms to the ball, uh, they'd get him, they'd get to him relatively quickly and minimize the the uh, downside of, of the missed tackle. Uh, so the missed tackle was only kind of a half miss. But there was a lot, and a number of them seemed to be the case where it looked like the the receiver or the runner was going to break to the outside, and then they saw the defender coming, and they cut back in and and, and made the defender look silly as they cut back inside. The rest of the defense was there to to come and, and you know recover from that, and maybe that's part of the way this defense is coached is that no 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 force either tackle them or force these guys back to the middle where the rest of your help is. Uh, but there could have been even more significant negative plays if they could have done a better job of, of getting those guys down uh, before their cuts inside. But again, not a huge, huge issue. But let's get to the, the defensive line. Unbelievable performance. Nine sacks. Great job of mixing up their um, their their uh, you know schemes and and trading uh, uh, players off, uh, pushing really hard, never giving up. There were a number where of of sacks and and pressure plays where it was a long developing play and a number and they were pretty well contained, but they didn't stop trying. They kept pushing. They kept finding their way through. And, and would turn, you know, into a, a what could have been a really long play that gave uh, Luke Falk the opportunity to um, connect the the uh, connect with the receiver. But instead, he just had a medium to long time to throw, and then finally it would break down. So the determination of the defensive line and the linebackers who were rushing to keep pushing, to keep going, even when they were well blocked really paid dividends. I think there was a lot of coaching around that this week of, I know it's tough when you get stood up and there's a temptation to say, I'm not going to get there and kind of half-ass it at that point, but don't. Keep pushing hard. And it definitely paid dividends this week. 
in a number of different ways. Uh, as I said, the secondary played awesome. Um, the only minor concern, again, was just a, a minor tick on the tackling. One play I'd like to review uh, to go over, and I need to go back to the rule book on this, but how is it even possible for there to be targeting on a runner? It doesn't matter if it's the quarterback, but you know, and luckily it was overturned in the booth, and we didn't know why it was overturned in the booth, just that it was not targeting. But how is it possible for the quarterback to be targeted if he's running upright with the ball? He's just another runner at that point. I didn't think it was possible for there to be targeting when you're just trying to tackle the guy who's got the ball and is running with it. Maybe I misunderstand some nuance of the rules, but the targeting rule is intended for defenseless players. The receiver who just caught the ball, the um, quarterback when he's trying to throw. But whenever you have somebody who's just a runner, that guy can be tackled with full force, even if it includes a hit to the head. Again, unless I misunderstand something. So that really surprised me. And again, maybe the booth had to remind the uh, the, co- the uh, refing staff of that, that. Look, this guy was not the quarterback in the traditional sense at that moment. He was now just a runner. And so, no, it's not targeting. Um, anyway, so that one did kind of surprise me that it was called in the first place. Other uh, little notes to go over. Uh one of the things I really like about this coaching staff is their adjustments. Their adjustments from last week to this week, really a huge improvement in the game plan of saying, okay, we aren't going to get a lot of time uh, you know, with, from our offensive line, so let's not rely on that. Let's, let's change things up. Also, the halftime adjustments. I was kind of worried, even at 17-3, that it wasn't going to work out. But the offense made some significant adjustments between the first half and the second half. The offense was working much better in the second half. I already talked about the development of the inside run game. That was a change from the first half. I really liked their ability to adjust and make corrections and build a game plan and and, and pick plays based on what's working with the guys they have on the field right now. That's just such a huge improvement over over what we've seen in the late Tedford era, through all of the Dykes era, just uh, a much, much better situation than than we've, we've, we've had in the past. And it makes me so optimistic about the future. Uh, I think Wilcox is going to be able to recruit really well this offseason. This team, you have to believe, is going to... Um, is 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 going to make it to a bowl game now. Uh, they have two very winnable games against Oregon State and Arizona. That should get them to six. But after this game and after their mostly reasonable performances against uh, U.S., particularly against USC, look at everybody left on the schedule. Those teams are all teams that this team can beat. Uh, Colorado, absolutely. They're looking fairly mediocre this year after they lost so many people last year. Definitely a winnable game. It would be even more winnable if we didn't have to go to Boulder. Uh, Stanford is not looking like the team they used to be. They're starting to slowly slide back to the rest of the conference. And the type of game they play seems to be ones that this Bear team can compete against. 
So a lot of optimism for that, for finally getting the Axe back, even though they might be the best team uh, left on the schedule. Uh, at UCLA, you know, definitely a beatable team, although this team has always struggled down at the Rose Bowl and doing it Thanksgiving week feels very dangerous. But nevertheless, uh, that's a winnable game if, if Wilcox can get him up to play it. Uh, I mean, so this team could conceivably end up nine and three. I'm not saying they will do that, but eight and four is definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Only losing one of those games, seven and five seems, um, you know, more than achievable. The final thing I wanted to speak to kind of goes into this is don't forget young, inexperienced teams and the value of the home game. The team struggled on the road. All three of those games. The USC game was at home. Uh, but that's a, you know, it's a really good team. Yes, they're not quite as good as maybe number the number five they were ranked at as the time. But they're a very good team. Um, it's And then it's tough to go onto the road and play in both Eugene and uh, Husky Stadium. Those are both very tough venues to play at. Particularly for young teams that lack the sort of confidence uh, that the experience brings you. So it's an intimidate. They're both intimidating places to play. So much nicer to play in your home venue. And guess what? The back half of the schedule, particularly the next few weeks, has a lot of home games. It's unfortunate we have to go to Stanford and UCLA for the final two. Uh, UCLA is the tougher of the two to play because Stanford Stadium, frankly, is a Cal stadium during big games. It's it's always impressed me how little uh, Stanford fans come to that game and how many Cal fans come to that game. So that'll feel a lot like a home game to the team. Um, and then uh, both uh, Oregon State and Arizona at home. Colorado, of course, on the road. Uh, so... Don't underestimate the value for this team of playing at home. As the season wears on, it maybe becomes less of an issue as that confidence grows. But it's a significant factor, even for more mature teams than the Bears, and uh, a very notable factor um, uh, is in the early in the season. And uh, in part, it, it should you know at least give us a little perspective on those losses in Eugene. Uh, and and Seattle that that it's not just that the team wasn't that good it's also some of the struggles with new teams and youth and those sorts of things but to kind of wrap things up great great win as I said tell me a time in history that you know of where Cal uh, beat a top 10 team with by 30 plus points you can't come up with it it doesn't exist it, you got to go back to pappy's boys or something to find a time like that uh, it, it just is so outside of our experience and yeah we might look back and say wsu didn't deserve it they're obviously going to be ranked much much lower next week but it doesn't take away from the confidence this team had to believe in their ability to beat a top 10 team uh, and then to execute and do it. And that confidence is going to carry with them all season and really feeling good about this program at this point. And we'll see if I overcorrect in my uh, prediction for next week. 
All right. Well, let's wrap it up with that. Thank you for listening. Unfortunately, this will be the last on the road home pod on the road home podcast for the season because I can't make either of the Arizona or uh, OSU games due to uh, church commitments uh, that uh, cannot be broken, unfortunately. Um, and uh, it's going to prevent me from being at those games. In fact, if you're interested in the tickets, please let me know. I'd be happy to sell them. I'd prefer to sell them to somebody who is a fan of the, the blog or the podcast. That'll wrap it up. Thank you for listening, and go Bears. On the road again.